This is Amateur Logic, episode 88, for March 15th, 2016. March Madness. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM and the innovative new IC7300. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode 88 of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And I'm Emil. There you go. And I'm Emil. Hello, everybody. Yeah. It's good to be back with everyone again tonight. Um, boy, it's been a been a rough week here, Tommy. Busy, busy. Yeah. Rainy, too. Rainy, too. Yeah, we, we're having flash flooding all over. The yeah. Yeah, I was in uh, Dallas. It rained pretty much the whole time I was there, but we didn't get near the rain you guys have. No, we've had a, an awful lot here. I don't know about Emil down there. How's, how's it been down there? Have y'all been affected by this um, this Gulf Stream coming in? We were affected by that. Uh, the local ham club here is uh, activated and uh, calling out some of the alerts and relaying messages from the National Weather Service to local areas. So, yeah, it is here. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, got, I saw. I saw it was pretty heavy down that way. I think we've got another couple of days up here, maybe tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Sunday's supposed yeah. to be clear. Boy, they really got a lot up in uh, up north of UML and over around Shreveport and in that area. It was. I've talked to some friends over there. One of them had like twelve inches and oh, just wow. a little while. Yeah, it's that's a lot. Yeah, of water. They, they, there's some rivers, uh, rivers cresting and, and having some troubles uh, just west of me, about 10 to 15 miles, which is close to where my uh, parents live. So we keep them uh, informed and, uh, you know, knowing what's going on over there. Yeah. Well, Tommy, what? T- just tell us briefly, what are you going to talk about this week? Well, I got a new toy around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and uh, I've done a little bit of playing with it and uh, just kind of really sort of starting to to get into it yeah and, uh, I, I don't want to spoil what it is just that, yet, that's a fun looking toy yeah I, yeah i'm really excited about it yeah so i've got um got something i've never done quite this way before i'm going to be showing and i guess i won't spoil that either since you're not going to well i can spoil it away. no i don't <laughs> don't spoil it yet how about you email or no spoilers for you or, or are you gonna gonna go for give it? it yeah no, no spoilers, um, <laughs> although I think we might uh, change gears a little bit and uh, stick stick with the cheap concept, but uh, in another direction. Uh, oh, yeah. you got my interest up. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Peter? Are you giving away anything just yet? Uh, no, but I'll, what I will say <laughs> is that the uh, uh, my segment is about um, corruption and how to get rid of it. Uh, yeah. Oh, a police story. Yeah, that's a good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. this is this, well, 
I guess we're going to make everybody sit through the entire hour so we can give any spoilers. <laughs> That's kind of looking that way, isn't it? Well, I tell you what, let's uh, let's get into uh, some comments here from our viewers. I, I think first we got one from Emil here. Oh, before we do that, though, let me just say, anytime we're streaming live, when we're shooting these shows, there may be a oh, lot yeah. of mistakes. And, and, you know... Believe it or not, yeah, it doesn't believe, go perfect believe every it or time. Not. And we're not always successful on hitting it right on the one-hour mark. It's, it's usually... I know that's hard to believe as well. <laughs> it happens, too. Yeah, occasionally, yeah. So mm-hmm. there's about 45 minutes of it that usually hits the cutting room floor. But yeah. whenever we are here uh, recording live, which if you can really do that, that's what we're doing. Yeah, well, I, I think they got a kick out of it. I told them we were taping tonight. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, amateurlogic.tv slash chat. When we're live, we've got a chat room going. There's a good group of folks in there having a big time. So join us over there. If you're watching live on YouTube, uh, that that chat that's there, uh, we're not monitoring that one uh, because we can only do one at a time here. So we're using the official one, amateurlogic.tv slash chat. Yeah, so come join us over there. Yeah. Okay, Emil, I was going to ask you, um, you've got a Facebook post to talk about here? i got a post from Irv Johnson, who uh, writes that all of the uh, 73s magazines that used to be published a while back are available for free. There's a, there's a link here that you'll, you'll probably see in the video that is a link to those 73s. So you can download them all and uh, catch up on some, I guess it's a couple of years worth of uh, magazines from 73 magazine i'm not sure that i've ever uh read that one myself yet so i'm gonna have to go check it out oh you're really missing out oh, you yeah. do need i to. used to subscribe yeah. to it i, I, I love that magazine yeah it, it was actually my favorite one it was really a good magazine y'all to check it out it's at archive.org slash details slash 73 dash magazine yeah there's some great stuff in those yeah really is yeah. and and they're on there free i think um well i'm not sure what year it went away. It's been gone for a number of years. Quite a now, while. Yep. Well, Tommy, have you got an email for us there? I do have one, but I don't have my reading glasses, but I'll do my best to get through it. Do your best. <laughs> okay. All right. This is from uh, Jocelyn, KD8VRX. Um, we've, we've met him at uh, Dayton and over yep. uh, at Huntsville. But anyway, it says, hi, Tommy. Nice segment on FL Digi. By the way... You can customize the buttons at the bottom. You need to just right-click on them, and the list of options will show up. These buttons are like macros and make the QSO much easier to uh, to partially automate. You also need to test your macros without transmitting if you exclude the caret T from the macro. So that actually invokes the transmit. Uh, Christopher, KD8YVJ, and I, you remember Chris? Oh, yeah, I remember Chris. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they were able to make it to Orlando. It was a great ham fest in terms of size. It's between Dayton and Huntsville, and the nice weather sure helps. They spent Friday and Saturday at Hamcation and went to Kennedy Space Center for the rest of the weekend. It was a great father-son trip. Keep up the good work and hopefully catch you on the air on PSK 31, maybe, 73. Yeah, that's uh, they're an awesome family, man. Every, yeah. every one of them are great. Uh, but it's good to hear from you. And, yeah, I look forward to uh Hooking up with you on the air. Oh. Yeah. Should, should be have fun. You guys, have you guys been to the Kennedy Space Center? I have. Yeah. I haven't. 
Not that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so big. It's huge. Now, that's the yeah, one down in Florida, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I, I, I went to see one of the, uh, I think it was the second to last shuttle launch there, Peter. Oh, that would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I never did see one of them launch, but I, I was down there when it was out on the pad and it was supposed to launch the coming week, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't stay long enough to, to had to come yeah. back and work. The yeah. whole work thing yeah, kind of messes up a lot of stuff, you know what? It really does. But anyway, that's another story. Well, speaking of not work, <laughs> what what new toy have you got here that you're going to... Oh man, so I bought a uh, 3D printer around Christmas time and uh, did a little bit of experimenting with it. Well, let's get on into that. Saturday morning, about to start a little project. What better way to kick off the weekend? For those of you that have been watching, you know I've been drooling over 3D printers. Well, I finally broke down and I got one. I actually got it around Christmas, but uh, I haven't really had much of a chance to do anything with it. I've printed some things that I've downloaded off of Thingiverse. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, go check out Thingiverse.com. It's pretty cool. Uh, people design things and put them up there, and then you can download them and print them on your printer. The printer I got was an XYZ printing uh, DaVinci 1.0A. There's a standard set of tools that you're going to probably need if you get you a 3D printer. You're going to need a scraper. I've got this plastic one. Uh, it came with a metal one, but this is to pop the uh, parts that you print off of the glass bed. The other thing you're going to need is a small wire brush. This came with the printer. To, this kind of keeps the uh, tip clean. You can, or the extruder rather, clean. You can use it to, to clean the extra filament off of there if it gets kind of stringy. Uh, you need a glue stick. This printer prints uh, ABS and PLA. Glue stick you put down on the bed, on the heated bed, and this helps to ensure that your ABS doesn't curl up and pull away and warp as it cools. The other thing I have is I acquired one of my wife's emery boards. I find this is really nice to clean up any any little uh, pieces or, or if things don't fit exactly perfect, you can use swipe that a couple of times and it helps to make things fit nicely. I haven't had to do very much of that, but I have done a little bit. The other thing I bought is this caliper. This is a kind of a cheap one I got from Harbor Freight for about $15. I went ahead and got this larger one because this printer prints up to 7 inches by 7 inches. And so I wanted a pretty big one that I could measure things to, to do my designs. All that said, I've printed a, quite a few things that I've downloaded, but I haven't really designed anything. One of the main things that I can see myself doing is creating project boxes, you know, with the holes in the right place and, and standoffs and things like that. So I'm going to actually attempt today to design one and print it, and hopefully the top will fit on and there'll be a few standoffs in there just, for, just to see how that works out. I tested several pieces of 3D software. The one that's the really the easiest to use is Tinkercad, and it actually runs in your browser. Uh, it's free. There's a free account, and you can see right here I've already got mine made. Uh, N5ZNO is my account name, so if you go on there and look, you may find some things that I upload eventually. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to create a new design. and Like I say, we're just going to create a little box. There's several ways to do it. You can create panels, put them together, and, and size them. 
or you can take a, a solid block and then you can hollow out the inside of it. And I think that's the way I'm going to go this time for my first route. It's pretty easy. So what I'm going to do is take this box, drag it over onto my work surface, and we can easily size it. For, first of all, let's go through what's on the screen here. I just dropped a, a box, a simple geometric shape on, and you can size it. If you put your mouse over the handles, you can see the size of everything and, and this is a really nice program because it makes keeping things lined up and properly sized fairly easy. So what I want to do is I'm going to change the perspective a little bit and you can use the mouse and click this and change it or you can do a right click I think it is and do the mouse and move it around freely. So what I want to do is I think I'm going to make it a little wider and I'll make it uh, 40 millimeters wide Let's go for 30 millimeters deep. I'm not going to make a very big one since I'm just kind of playing around. And then I'm going to duplicate that by doing Control D, or you can go Edit, Duplicate, and it's going to make another one in exactly the same space. And we'll resize this one just a tad. It's not a very thick walled box, but I'm just going to make a one millimeter thick uh, shell. So what we'll do is we'll take this and we'll uh, make it two millimeters less, two millimeters less on the thickness. And then we can take this box and put it right inside of this one. And it should snap to the one millimeter marks. There. Now we've got a one millimeter perimeter around it. Now the downside of what we just did is the box goes all the way to the bottom. You can see it right here. What we need to do is raise it a little bit. So I'm going to raise it by grabbing this handle and we can actually lift it up one millimeter or two millimeters and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave it at one millimeter. So what we've got here is one box inside of another box. Now to make this hollow, we can grab the inside box, click the hold button, and that actually makes it hollow all the way down. And if you go to the bottom, you can see it doesn't go through. So we've got a, a one millimeter uh, perimeter all the way around the box, one millimeter thick. Now to, to get rid of this shaded thing, we can select both items and click group and that makes it actually go away and then it looks more like what you would expect to see with a box. Uh, what I really want to do is duplicate this. So I'm just going to hit control D, duplicate the whole thing, move it to the side and I need to zoom out a little bit. <clears throat> move it to the side. Actually I'll move it up front so we can see a little better. And I want to select the box and I want to ungroup it because I want to modify this. So I'll select the inside one, change it to color again, which turns it back into a solid. And then group it back. So what I'm going to do is I group that together. So it's 21 millimeters high because we had a 20 millimeter tall box and one millimeter. Now let's change it. And we'll drop that down. 
the scaling of it changed the inside one. I want to bring that back up just a little bit so we have a lip there. So I'll, I'll ungroup that again. Go back in and scale it up just a tad. And now we've got approximately two millimeters. One millimeter there, two millimeters for this. And that, that lip you see is going to actually fit inside the edge of the box to hold it. And that's going to make a fairly thick piece right here. So what I'll do again is duplicate this inside piece. Bring it over to the side a little bit so I can see what I'm doing. And I'm going to bring it up one millimeter. Change the thickness of it to one millimeter. And I'm going to drop it down, drop the width of it two millimeters and the thickness of it, or the depth of it two millimeters. And then I'm going to put it right back in here. Hopefully I got it centered. And we're going to make a hole. And let's group those together. And now we've got just an inside rim around the edge of the box. So th this is a simple box. This should work fine for some things. Now let's just show how to make an easy standoff. There's some tools in here already. I, I like this uh, thick tube and I'll pull that out. We can uh, change the diameter of it. I'm going to change it to like five millimeter circle. So that's five by five. And we can take that. If you notice it's already got a hole in it for your screw. So if you want to screw your uh, your board down that you build inside of it, that's fine. Now we can take this and put it over inside our box. And it's flush to the bottom. If we were to rotate, we can see that thing goes all the way through. So we'll have a hole in the bottom. And what I do to that is I would just take this up and bring it up just a tad. That's going to merge it with the bottom of the box. So we can adjust the height we want to make it maybe four millimeters. Let's go five millimeters tall. Now this, again, this is a small box. It's just for testing. And you could take this and duplicate it and do that. Control D. Put it over here. Now, say we need a hole on the end to put our wire through. We'll scroll around here where we can see it. Let's take one of these cylinders, drop it over here, and make it fit the dimensions we want. I'll make a a four millimeter hole, four millimeter by four millimeter. Let's shrink the size of it and then let's rotate it. Now we'll make that 90 degrees, which is perfectly perpendicular. Oops, let's grab it, put it over here and let's raise it up to where we want it. And we can see that I actually stuck it through the box. So we'll take that, make it a hole, and it goes through the box. And let's select all of this, group it, and now we can see that we have a hole through the box. That's done. I, I realize this is super basic. Um, it's a, just a starter. It's my first project, like I said. So let's see how it prints. What I'll do is I'll go over here to Design, Download for 3D Printing, and I'll get this STL file. 
and it downloaded you can't really see it but it did download now let's double click it it opens up okay so we've got it here we can zoom in and we can rotate around and see you can see the hold you can see the standoffs and there's our lid so all we got to do now is send it to the printer okay everything is set up the printer I went ahead and put the little bit of glue on the on the bed of the printer and let's go ahead and send our print job I'm going to print good good quality that's what I usually do uh, I'm going to do supports because we have a hole there and I want to make sure that that prints okay and other than that there's some other settings you can actually change the density uh, if you print a solid thing then it'll actually the, the software is smart enough to hollow it out and you can change the density of it so you don't just use a ton of filament on it uh, speed and everything but I, I usually go to good there and and I've had really excellent results with it and I'll just click print it slices what it's doing now is it's going through and it's figuring out each move that that extruder has to make to to actually lay down the filament to recreate what we've designed okay it's ready to go let's go ahead and print my print finished and I had to wait for the bed to cool off so I could get it off of there this ABS plastic when the bed is hot it's stuck pretty good to where that glue stick was smeared on there but after it cools off it comes off pretty easy for the most part um, I got the lid and I got the box so let's take a closer look at it and see what we we learned from it as you can see it's pretty smooth the, the box this was the downside it's very smooth the sides are incredibly smooth compared to what you would think they are this printer does a pretty nice job on the on the layering so it's uh, the resolution is fairly high now I did print supports for the hole and you can see the holes a little bit filled but that's to be expected that's normal uh, that it'll print supports so when you're laying the filament across an opening that there's uh, some support that it doesn't just cave in and they're the way it makes it they're really easy to break away now we put uh, standoffs inside of it and I think you can see it They're they're all there they're they're secured the one thing that I see is the holes are very small so I might want to build my own standoffs next time so that I can get the screws in let's take a look at our lid there's the lip that we designed into it and it should snap on hopefully it was designed to be exactly the same size as the inside of the box so it should be a really nice tight fit and let's try it and it is so overall i would consider it a success anyway i hope you find this interesting we'll be using this printer and a lot more things in the future i have a kit that i'm going to be putting together shortly and we're going to build a case for it so that should be interesting um anyway a lot more use for it in the future so stay tuned 73 that was pretty cool tommy yeah it was cool it's fun you can, it's You've amazing what little... you can yeah i brought it with me it's uh probably going Boy, it's translucent. It's trans I bought this really cool invisible filament. <laughs> Here, let me uh, do something where we can see that. We'll probably it costs a lot more than the regular, yeah. but 
there, here you check, you check it out. But uh, you know, I thought it was uh, going to have some paths in it or something. Paths, yeah, it looks saw. like a little candy dispenser. It's a pretty small box. I probably should have made it a little bit bigger, but it was just a kind of a throwaway trial thing. That is, that is very neat. I like that a lot, and I'll have to come up with something for you to print out. I, I was wondering, can you? Uh, Will you be printing us a uh, 3D field day tent? Yeah, we're going to have to get started on that now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tommy, is your uh, printer a uh, single filament or dual, fil- dual single. filament? It's single. Yeah, I've sometimes thought that it'd be an interesting experiment if you had a dual filament uh, 3D printer to uh, somehow get your hands on uh, a conductive form of plastic and actually 3D print a, uh, a circuit board using the, um, the conductive filament for your traces and the, uh, uh, the non-conductive for the base of uh, the actual um, uh, circuit board. The only trick would be about how you actually uh, glue in your components. Yeah, it'd be kind of tough to solder, I would think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. seeing how heat, heat yeah. lays the filament down. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but if you had a conductive plastic, you could, or I should say, a conductive glue, you could then glue your uh, components in. The software I was using there is pretty neat. Uh, first of all, the, the standoffs I made. Uh, the learning lesson from this is make your own standoffs. Don't use that other one. So, because when I took that that round widget and uh-huh. I shrunk it, it actually made the hole uh, too small. Like I said, you can drill those out and it's still usable, yeah. but you could get it well, good right off the and bat. I guess, you know, that probably you've got, your drill bit would go right where it's supposed to. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah. It's yeah. And the hole's there. It's just pretty small. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was it was an interesting learning experience. There's a lot of software. You don't have to use that one. That's probably the easiest one that I've mm-hmm. run across. There's some free ones. Uh, one, two, three D design. I think it's from Autodesk. It's it's pretty easy. It's just maybe a step up from what mm-hmm. I just showed you, but uh, that was that's a good one for beginners. So, so how long did it was intended for? Did it take you to figure out how to put that together? I, I probably piddled with it about maybe two hours before. Uh, I don't know if the at the beginning you saw the little red box that was already set up on my thing. I just kind of mm-hmm. piddled a little bit just to make sure that I knew how to get around in the software. Uh, but I, I haven't fooled with it very much uh, before that. Yeah, that. A little bit. That's really neat. Yeah, it's uh, you can do a lot with just those basic uh, basic geometry shapes mm-hmm. by putting them together and, and making them, you know, taking the the material away by making it a hole or whatever. But it's cool, cool stuff. It printed a lot faster than I would have. <laughs> that was about thirty five minutes or so of printing. Okay. Uh, okay. But through yeah, a little I've movement. got a project for you to try, Tommy, if you get some spare time. Why don't you, you 3D print a 3D printer? Yeah, well, people do that. Yeah. People yeah. do that. Yeah. I uh, I don't have a lot of free time, so I, I started to buy one of the printers that you put together yourself, and you can learn about how it all works. And I'd like to do that at some point, but right now I'm more interested in the things that I can get out of it. I don't have time to... To worry yeah. about building the printer when uh, when it's already built. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably do that at some point. Maybe my next one, I'll build it. Cool. Well, I I saw the coffee cup you had sitting there. Was that um, that's just not? By yeah, I saw somebody <laughs> saying that was product place, but that's my. It was Saturday morning, and that's my, literally is my every Saturday morning 
coffee mug that I use. I go in there in my ham shack and piddle around and do stuff, and I have coffee yeah. in it every single Saturday morning. Well, let, let's Thank have the God. real product placement here. Okay. We'll be right back. When dealing with radio frequencies, it's important to know your antenna and equipment are operating correctly. So, one accessory every ham needs is a good watt meter. And when it comes to watt meters and SWR meters, no one offers you more choices than MFJ. Here are just four of the many models available. Like the MFJ860, this entry-level watt meter offers cross-needle meters so you can see forward power, reflected power, and SWR simultaneously. It covers 1.8 to 60 megahertz with ranges for up to 30 or 300 watts, and it's got standard SO239 connectors and a built-in lighted scale. The MFJ880's three-color cross-needle meter gives you improved readability. Its LED backlight gives you excellent night vision. This unit covers 1.6 to 60 megahertz with ranges of 20, 200, and 2,000 watts. The MFJ891 is a sleek-looking cross-needle meter with active true peak reading circuitry built in for precise measurement of your single-side band peak power. With its extra-large 3 and 5.8 inch meter, it covers 1.6 to 60 megahertz with ranges for 20, 200, and 2,000 watts. Then there's the true giant, MFJ's 868B, a traditional watt and SWR meter with a huge 6.5-inch movement for easy reading. It's got MFJ's exclusive true peak reading circuitry to capture true peak or average forward and reflected power reading. The super-large display and ranges for 20, 200, and 2,000 watts make it perfect for QRP or QRO operation from 1.8 to 54 megahertz. No matter what your needs are, MFJ's got a watt meter, an SWR meter, and even an RF ammeter for you. To see them all, visit MFJEnterprises.com today. When dealing with radio frequencies, it's important to know your antenna and equipment are operating correctly. So, one accessory every ham needs is a good watt meter. And when it comes to watt meters and SWR meters, no one offers you more choices than MFJ. Here are just four of the many models available. Like the MFJ860, this entry-level watt meter offers cross-needle meters so you can see forward power, reflected power, and SWR simultaneously. It covers 1.8 to 60 megahertz with ranges for up to 30 or 300 watts, and it's got standard SO239 connectors and a built-in lighted scale. The MFJ880's three-color cross-needle meter gives you improved readability. Its LED backlight gives you excellent night vision. This unit covers 1.6 to 60 megahertz with ranges of 20, 200, and 2,000 watts. The MFJ891 is a sleek-looking cross-needle meter with active true peak reading circuitry built in for precise measurement of your single-sideband peak power. With its extra-large 3 and 5.8 inch meter, it covers 1.6 to 60 megahertz with ranges for 20, 200, and 2,000 watts. Then there's the true giant, MFJ's 868B, a traditional watt and SWR meter with a huge 6.5-inch movement for easy reading. 
It's got MFJ's exclusive True Peak Reading Circuitry to capture True Peak or average forward and reflected power readings. The super large display and ranges for 20, 200, and 2,000 watts make it perfect for QRP or QRO operation from 1.8 to 54 megahertz. No matter what your needs are, MFJ's got a watt meter, an SWR meter, and even an RF ammeter for you. To see them all, visit MFJEnterprises.com today. Christmas time, uh, Santa Claus usually comes by, and if the kids were good, he'll uh, provide the kids with what they asked for. And uh, in this case, they did, and gave my daughter a new Samsung tablet um, that she was looking for. And uh, after that, uh, Repo Claus usually comes along and uh, takes up the old uh, devices, and I usually inherit those uh, to uh, do projects with, and that's what this one is about. So re- Repo Claus, uh, is that a Cajun thing? Just not a Repo Claus probably needs to come make a pass through my house, too, man. <laughs> yeah, mine, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's, let's see what he's talking about. Hello, George, Tommy, and Peter. Welcome to another episode of Cheap Old Man Minutes. In this episode, I'll show you how to turn an old Android device you might have laying around into a uh, security device or IP camera. So it just so happens that I happen to have a Samsung tablet that's uh, left over or from an upgrade that was performed a while back. And I can use this with some free software as a uh, security camera on my uh, Ethernet network. The software in this case is IP Webcam by Pavel Klebovich and is available via the uh, Google Play App Store and uh, Shop. One of the great things about this software is that it has a very nice web interface. Uh, once your camera, when you start the service on your camera on the Android device, it will pull an address from your um, standard DHCP services or on your Ethernet network. Once it does that, you can simply browse to that address and up comes the very nice, well-written web interface. And from there, it's as simple as telling it which flavor of uh, render rendering you'd like. In this case, I'm going to use Flash. And voila, it starts streaming almost instantly. Um, It also contains audio as well and uh, can be placed pretty much anywhere in range of your Wi-Fi WLAN at home. Um, Another feature is a sensor-based graph, um, which will give you Capabilities of tracking whatever your device can track, um, whether it's battery voltage or temperature, light, motion. It's uh, it's really something how this actually is put together, and I was impressed by it. Um, Somewhat of a real time graph there, of course, that's tracking almost everything it can do. So that's customizable. Anyway, pretty neat stuff. You can turn the video off and on. Um, 
and all from this web interface. So for free software, it's great stuff. And um, makes it able for you to uh, repurpose some of those older devices you might have sitting, sitting around. Another great feature of this software is the fact that it will record um, hours on a loop or in straight uh, lengths until you run out of space on your device. Um, it'll record the video so you can go back and look through the archives to see uh, what was happening there. There is a pro version uh, upgrade which I'm sure has lots more features but for the unbeatable price of free this is a pretty good uh, software. Once again also included is hyperlinks to use other viewing, video viewing or streaming software viewing viewers for instance VLC media player um, and others tiny cam monitor IP cam viewer anyway these these links will show you how to hi uh, hyperlink to this stream from the device via the web direct instead of coming through the um, web interface so very very nice software for free just doing some basic tests of bandwidth requirements at the uh, minimum or uh, the 50% quality mark of the video and audio it takes around 2 megabits of uh, throughput um, to stream on uh, another PC uh, from the device itself so that is scalable you can turn down the quality or turn it up depending on what uh, you really need to see so if you have a limited bandwidth situation or you want to go some distance you can turn it down so it doesn't uh, take up all of the bandwidth of the link available. What, what are you doing with that? Are you leaving that in your daughter's uh, room so you can keep up with if she slips out the window? Yeah, it's pointed right at the window. Exactly. Yeah. So if anybody wants to uh, come in or out, it'll uh, expedite my uh, response time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I, I use it mainly to monitor what's going on in the shack. Um, you know, remote monitoring as I can. Cool stuff. Yeah, man, it's amazing what's out there for free these days. There is a lot out there, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool time. Pretty cool, and you know. Kept that old um, uh, tablet there, I guess, out of the landfill. Gave it a useful purpose. <laughs> he got a big thanks to Repo Claus for that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Repo Claus is going to have to make a pass through my house to see what all that stuff can be put together. Because there's could. a bunch of stuff just laying around. Mm, little... Yeah, you may have a few things <laughs> laying around in here, too. Yeah, good. All right, we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to be right back, because I know... Peter's got something he wants to talk about. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. 
Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went stress. primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Uh, the night's still young. Peter, you were talking about corruption a little earlier there, and uh, I don't know um, really what he's talking about there. It must be a police segment, like uh, it's gonna, they're going to arrest yeah. somebody. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually talking about the Raspberry Pi Foundation. It's a very, very serious matter, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, no... <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Even Upton, he's not going to jail. It's okay, right? Uh, but but I did, there is a slight problem with each, or rather there is a principal problem in my experience with uh, each of the Raspberry Pi um, uh, mini computers, and that's what we're going to talk about today and hopefully find at least a temporary fix. In the longer term, though, I, I would hope that Eben and the Raspberry Pi uh, Foundation would uh, actually recognise the problem and do something about it in the next iteration. This month, we're going to talk about the dark side of the Raspberry Pi mini-computer. What do I mean by the dark side? Well, the sad but true fact is that the Pi suffers from one serious flaw, which I hope that Eben Upton and the Raspberry Pi Foundation can fix in a future iteration of the Pi. If you've ever played with or built anything from a Raspberry Pi, then you know that it's very easy to corrupt the small SD card which holds the operating system. The problem is that Linux periodically reads and writes data to the card. SD cards are not really designed for high frequency use, so they can wear out quite quickly. Also, if there's a loss of power whilst the card is being written to, bad things can happen and you can end up with a corrupted SD card. One solution to this dilemma is to make the file system read-only and store log and other files on a USB stick. But that's a complicated thing to implement. However, I came across a web page that suggested some relatively simple changes that reduce the extent to which the SD card gets written to. This is very much a use-at-own-risk uh, solution, but I think it's worth a try and may help reduce the number of cards that get corrupted. You can find this solution at IdeaHeap at the link below, but today I'm going to show you how you can actually implement it uh, for those who haven't used the command line previously. If nothing else, you'll learn how to edit system files and of course the magic sudo command. So let's get started. The first thing you're going to need to do is to download a Raspbian image from the Raspberry Pi website. You should then use a program like Win32 Disk Image to write the image to the SD card. Full details of how to do this are available on the Raspberry Pi website, and most of you will have done this previously. Here I'm using a Raspberry Pi 2 computer, but as this is a software change, I suspect that it will work equally on other variations of the Pi. 
Once you've booted from the SD card, you can customize the operating system to suit your needs and then boot into the main desktop. The first file we're going to edit is called fstab and it resides in the forward slash etc directory. First, click on the command line icon to open up a command line window. We will now switch to the forward slash etc directory by typing cd space forward slash etc and hitting enter. You can have a look at the files in the directory by typing ls meaning list and hitting enter you should see a file called fstab in the directory. Now it's time to use the magic sudo command. Sudo doesn't actually do anything on its own. You see, Linux sometimes doesn't let you play around with the system files because you might be inexperienced and corrupt your own system files. However, sudo, which is short for super user do, tells the computer that you are a Linux Jedi administrator and can do anything you like because you have the Linux force. And the computer will obey no matter how stupidly you mess up the command. Of course, young Jedi, with total power comes total responsibility. And with that comes the ability to completely mess up your operating system. So be careful when using the sudo force. We will now open, using the sudo force, a text editor called nano. So type sudo nano and then fstab, f-s-t-a-b, and hit enter. And you can now maximize that window. At this point, uh, you separately want to open up the idea heap link that I gave you before. And what we're going to do is we're going to edit the second line here. We're also going to add a line after the forward slash dev mmcblkop2 line, which is about the third line down. So go back to the idea heap link and if you scroll down you should see an example of what the edit editor or rather the writer thought um, that area or that file should look like after he made the suggested changes. Now we're not going to make all the suggested changes that he wanted because one of them, um, and he admits this himself, uh, probably won't work. So the first thing we're going to do is copy the second line and highlight it and then right click and hit copy. We then return back to the command line window and then using the arrow, arrow keys, we then uh, scroll down to the second line and hit enter and then right click and hit paste. And so uh, we can then go to after boot, just right here, and then hit the delete key a few times just to line everything up. Scroll over a little bit further and put the zeros all in line. Scroll over and hit the space bar and everything is nice and neat. Then proceed down to the third line, which we had before. Hit the delete key and delete all of it. Now we're going to go down to the very fourth line here, which is before these comments. And then we'll go back to stopping SD card, um, which is the idea heap link. And we're going to get the very last lines listed here. Highlight it, right click, hit copy, return back to the um, command line uh, window. Uh, uh, then 
set the cursor at the beginning of that blank line that we created and hit paste. And again, using the um, arrow keys and your delete key, just line everything up so it's in a nice neat order like so. Good. Once that's all done, hit Control X and that will actually save the file. Now it's saying down the bottom, save modified buffer uh, answering no will destroy changes. So we hit Y for yes and hit just hit enter. Oh, hit, oh, sorry, go back, just hit enter and there you go. You've now saved, edited the file and saved it. The second change that's recommended by the author on his website is to disable swapping. And you'll see a heading, disable swapping. Scroll down slightly and you'll see three commands starting with sudo dfis swap file swap off. And we're going to take each of these commands and put them into our command line. So highlight the first command, right click, hit copy, go to your command line, right click, hit paste, and then hit enter. Next, go to the second command, highlight it, right click, hit copy, go back to the command line, right click, hit paste, and then hit enter. And finally, we go back to the very last command, highlight it, right click, copy, back to the command line, right click, paste, and hit enter. And it's all done. Next, reboot your computer, and with a little luck, uh, your operating system should boot up normally, and hopefully there'll be uh, less uh, disk corruption in the future. That finishes up our Raspberry Pi corruption fix for today. I can't guarantee that you'll entirely avoid corrupting your card, but hopefully the changes which reduce the number of times the card is written to will result in greater reliability. If on the other hand you encounter problems uh, as a result of the changes we made, then simply reflash your card with your Raspbian image and start again, and don't make the changes that we made today. Anyway, whatever you decide, good luck. Have you ever had a corruption? The only time I've really had any is uh, when I was running like my my DVAP or mm -hmm. DVAP Pi I made before and headless where I couldn't see it and I just I couldn't do a shutdown and basically I just killed the power to it. Yeah, I, I had a similar thing when I was trying to do the Echo Link Pi and I had you know run an Echo Link uh, node on the Raspberry Pi there and it would lock up ever so often. Mm -hmm. After a few times that I had to, you know, power cycle it to get it back up, I yeah, it, it trashed mine too. Yeah, I may try these changes that Peter had in the segment. Yeah, and uh, see how that I, works out too. Have you had uh, big corruption issues, Peter? Oh, I I do because uh, uh, I have bad practices here. I, I just pull the power out when oh, I yeah. uh, actually want to <laughs> shut down my Raspberry Pi. But you see, I, I tend to think of the Raspberry Pi in the same way that I do as my Arduino, that it should be robust enough to be, you just pull the power off and then plug it back in if oh, you want to reboot, yeah. so that's and not, it should just work. Yes, yeah, you need to think of it more like your laptop or yeah. your mm, computer. Yeah. But, yeah. but it'd be nice if they could actually change it so that it does work more like an Arduino and that you've got that reliability so that, you know, if you, for whatever reason, lose power, yeah. Bang, you're, you're, you can just fire it up again. Yeah, well, the Arduino doesn't really have a file system. No. So that's, that's why you don't have that issue. But, yeah. 
The, uh, those are interesting uh, tips on there, though. I'm gonna, I think I'll try it on one of mine just see how it works out. What about you, Emil? Join me, Peter. Together we can rule the Pi Galaxy with Sudo and Root for Yes, fellow Jedi. <laughs> no, I, you know, I never did receive my Pi, so I don't have the corruption issue, but I do have other devices that use the SD cards that are similar in nature. So it's something about the format in general, probably, that have... Uh, some issues with file systems and, uh, you know, dirty unmounts. Uh, if anybody's ever been a Linux uh, admin or user, you know, there's all sorts of things that can bring down a file system. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, if, you got, if you're writing data even to your desktop computer with Linux and you flip it off, you know, you, you yeah. can have problems. But, yeah, anything you can well, do. I think the idea with those changes is that instead of writing these log files and uh, other things uh, to uh, your SD card, you're actually writing them to RAM. Mm-hmm. So when you uh, switch off and fire up again, the RAM, what was in the RAM just disappears, but the card is le- mm-hmm. left the same, and you weren't actually writing to the SD card at that point in time. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, trade off one way or the other. Uh-huh. I, I miss the DOS mm-hmm. days back when you you could just turn the power off. Who cared? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, you're right. It, did, it didn't matter. Yeah, especially if you pulled your floppy disk out first. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, well, I got my new Raspberry Pi. My Pi three should be here uh, Monday. Monday. I haven't ordered mine yet. What about your Pi Zero? Has that shown up? Yeah, I've got it. I haven't done much with it. Um, I'm thinking about doing a benchmark test and try the the B, the the old B, mm-hmm. the Pi Zero, the two, and the three, and just and see in uh, speed differences between them. I suspect it's going to be a be pretty big range there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I may do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if anybody'd be interested in seeing it. But I'd be interested in seeing it for myself. Yeah. Well, we've got a few emails to to get in here. I've got one that comes from Glenn Norman, W4YES. And Glenn says recently he made his first CWQSO in over 30 years, having started out as a novice, as uh, many ham stories. He got busy with life and family, and hamming kind of took a back seat for many years. But a couple of years ago... Uh, he says Amateur Logic reignited his interest in the hobby. So uh, that's that's great, Glenn. That's that's why we're here for reignition. Uh, due to the many advances in the hobby, the learning curve was kind of steep. But he um, put one goal above others, having fun, and he says he's enjoying each step of the curve. Yeah, boy, that that does sound like fun. And he's particularly enjoyed the digital modes. And he wants to thank us all for the programs. Keep up the good work and know that you're sparking the interest of many people. P.S. Tell Peter that I enjoy his collection of space books on his shelf. Uh, I worked on the project that designed and integrated onboard computers for the space shuttle. Yes, on that point, I, let's see if I can get this in shot, uh, I can recommend this book. It's uh, um, Spaceflight, The Complete Story from Sputnik to Shuttle and Beyond. It's a forward by Buzz Aldrin. Uh, fa- fascinating book. Uh, so uh, if you haven't had a chance to look at this, 
um, by all means, uh, go and get it. Uh, highly recommended. Cool. It gives uh, a lot of uh, really good photos and good history from the Apollo era. Yeah, cool. Well, Peter, you've got an email for us there, I believe. I have indeed. And I've got an email here from John, uh, Victor Echo 7, uh, Japan Whiskey Sierra, from Kelowna in British Columbia in Canada. Now, uh, well, first he says, uh, I was trying to get to vetrun.com, as you mentioned, them as a good place to get info on live satellite feeds during the amateurologic uh, episode 87. It appears this site has been down and is now out. And uh, I checked it. Yes, you're quite correct. Uh, I apologise for that. But I do have two other websites that are in the nature of forums or that have information about uh, uh, satellite TV. The first is www.appsattv.com and the other one is www.oztech.com. Oh, sorry, let me correct that, oztech.info. Uh, and uh, both of those are, are really good sites in terms of uh, uh, social media around uh, satellite TV. And, of course, as I mentioned in the, in the videos, for more technical data about uh, what satellites are up there and what uh, uh, transmissions there are, uh, go to www.linesat.tv. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, the other quick thing I wanted to mention was um, Kalauna. I had a look at that on Google Earth, and uh, I have to say that's uh, not far from, I think, Vancouver, and uh, it looks like an absolutely beautiful place just near Okanagan Lake. Um, really, really scenic. Uh, so thanks for the email, John. Yeah, cool. Cool. Tommy, you've got one over there from a friend, don't you? Yeah, I do. And uh, if you'll notice, our friend Arnie's not in the chat room yeah. tonight. He's almost always in there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they got an email from me. He says, hi, Tommy. Uh, this is from Arnie, K5ARN, by the way, this call sign. I have six gold peel 259s in Sweden. Got one right here, Arnie. Um, anyway, uh, he put an Amazon link here. And... Uh, he said uh, the price of gold's gone up, and they're selling these for twelve bucks. And that link on Amazon, twelve yeah. bucks a piece. And they're calling them gold plated, but if yeah. they're what this thing is, that's not. Oops, Brian Peter. That's a uh, faux gold. Faux gold. It's <laughs> yeah. like gold paint. Uh, yeah. I was going to say you should melt them down and sell whilst the price is high. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. But he also says, "See you in rain, maybe." Uh, I'll be there. I mean, he'll be there. Seventy-three, Arnie, and uh, I was supposed to go to that Rain Ham Fest, but start in Louisiana, right? Yeah, it's in Louisiana, and uh, I didn't fly in until like four something today, and there's no way I could have made it down there. And plus, we had to shoot the show this weekend, so yeah. Uh, sorry, I missed you down there, Arnie. I'm gonna get down there one of these days. Yeah, um, but they say it's really a big time. That, uh, that's kinda, what I hear. It's a, probably the only Ham Fest with uh, Cajun music, isn't it, Emil? <laughs> yeah, and and I couldn't make that one either. It's uh, just out of my range for uh, sticking around work. I go in the opposite direction most of the time. But it, I heard it is a big one and a good one. We uh we advertised it here on our uh, club nets. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to go one day. I, maybe I can go next year, but I, I really intended on going this year. I had sort of planned out, but just so happens this kind of week, this week kind of fell on. Uh, yeah. The shooting week, you know, and the show must go on, so. Yeah. Well, Emil, you've got another, uh, well, I think this is a Google Plus um, 
post here yeah. from yeah yeah um from uh, mike morneau in fact um he wrote a google plus post about uh a new um heath kit uh product you know we, we were talking about heath kit being around again a while back and it seems they're uh, making some uh several projects now that you can build and one of them is the uh pipe tenna for people who have restricted uh, covenants, communities, or issues with uh, antennas, uh, where you can pretty much build your own stealth antenna for uh, two meters and four forty. So, uh, looks like Heath Kit's getting back in the uh, business. Awesome. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, but I'm not sure about that price. Hundred and forty nine ninety five. Would you pay that for that antenna? Uh, I'm, I'm probably it looks somewhat similar to a. A J pool of sorts to me, so I don't know yeah. that I would quite go that far. But there must be something about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to see them coming coming out with things, but I hope they're not trying to capitalize on that name and and yeah. and inflate the price because of sticking the Heath Kit name on there. Yeah, I mean it might be a good antenna. I don't. This is all I have seen on it is the, the post that Mike made there, yeah. and I haven't heard anything from anybody who's used one. But I'm not sure. If I live somewhere that they had problems with me putting an antenna on a roof, I don't know that this would really be any more acceptable. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Just uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to wait till somebody can tell us more about it. But, uh, yeah. Well, I actually have a solution to the stealth antenna problem. Uh, which is well suited to uh, American conditions. What you do is you put a flagpole on your front lawn and put an American flag at the top of it. Nobody is going to object against a uh, flagpole. That does happen And then it's loaded up. Unfortunately. Yeah, that that people are doing that. Yeah, they do that. But there are actually some places that have covenants against having a flagpole. Really? I remember seeing something in the news about, about that. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've got something I want to show you that I, I hadn't even. Well, I told you the name of it, but I hadn't told you what it was. Yeah, and you, you don't. You don't really know. But let's let's come back in a moment okay. and uh, get a little bit of that New York flavor. Okay. The wait is over. The IC seventy three hundred is here. ICOM's new innovative HF transceiver will far exceed your expectations for a radio considered entry level. The 7300's RF direct sampling system is an industry first. It departs from the conventional superheterodyne system. RF signals are directly converted to digital data. Digitizing the RF before various receiver stages reduces inherent noise generated from different IF stages. A large 4.3-inch color touchscreen promotes intuitive operation and functions like the waterfall, which displays high-level performance in resolution, sweep speed, and dynamic range. The audioscope function allows you to observe various audio frequency, transmit, and receive characteristics. And a high-resolution real-time spectrum scope includes a new magnify function. Other great IC7300 features include RMDR and superior phase noise characteristics, 15 discrete bandpass filters, and more. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur and learn more about the new ICOM IC7300. And you know, Tommy Ray is going to be here uh, next week. Yeah, next yeah next Thursday. And we're going to be uh, 
shooting a little video on that and getting a, a first-hand view of it sitting right here on the Yeah, bench. so we need to get our game plan together on how to get that thing from him. We do. We do. You're Unfortunately, well, let's see. Depends on if we shoot it on Wednesday or Thursday, if you will be here. Yeah, just, yeah. Just it depends. depends on if you think you need help. I think I do on that one. I mean, there's a lot of people that are got their eye on that. So I'm I'm really looking forward to getting a look at it yeah, first. Yeah, it's a nice looking rig. Yeah. Well, I told you I was going to do something here sort of New York style. It's actually um, similar to Manhattan style. Yeah. But, oh, well, let's, it, it's self-explanatory. When it comes to experimenting or building one-off projects, you've got a lot of ways you can go. You can do point-to-point wiring, where components are wired from one to another directly, or by using standoffs to support them. You can use generic PC boards like this one here. There's a solder pad under each hole where you can mount your components and then jumper everything together with wires. You can get others that have actual pads with some length to them and some buses on them that make it easy to build circuits, still using jumper wires to tie everything together. You can make your own PC boards with a variety of different methods, like using an ink resist pen and drawing straight onto the board and then burning it in an acid bath. Or you can use rub-on transfers and get straighter lines, make your PC board. Or you can create your artwork on a computer, print it out to a special paper, and iron it on to a PC board, and then burn it. You can send your artwork out to a board house and have them make the boards for you if you think you're going to need a lot of them. You can even get experimenter boards for surface mount work. This one right here takes a surface mount chip. You solder it right there, and then you've got some pads around the edges here where you can add your other components. There's a method called dead bug where you glue components upside down with their legs sticking up in the air like a dead bug and solder them all together that way. But there's a couple of other methods you can do that are fairly simple and quick. Manhattan style, you take a piece of perf board. First, we sand it down real good to get all the tarnish off of it. And then... You cut out little pieces of PC board. A lot of people will do it in a square. I cut out some here with a hole punch. And you take these, arrange them where you want them, and then glue them down. You'll want to make sure you've got them in the right positions to line up with your components. Then you use them like islands to support the components up off the PC board. Anywhere you need to go to ground... You just solder straight to the PC board. There's been a lot of projects built using this method. I've never built one myself, so sooner or later I'm going to have to get around to that. Looks like it would work pretty well. The only thing I don't like about it is that you're gluing these pads down to the board, and it just seems to me like uh, maybe that could be a weak point in the future. There's another style very similar to Manhattan style. I don't know if it's even got a name yet, but you use one of these. This is a rotary spot weld cutter. I got this at Harbor Freight, and I don't remember who told me about this. I wish I did, and I'd give them credit. It sounds like a great idea. What you do is you take the spot weld cutter, put it on the PC board, 
And then you just drill out the little items everywhere you need them. Now, I've never tried this before, so let's go out to the drill press and see how it works. Let's take a look at our work. Not too bad. I almost got a little carried away on the first one. Went a little deeper than I needed to. And then I kind of got some here pretty good. A couple of others, I could have gone a little further. All of them, though, have got a good clean break through the PC board there. So none of these are shorted to the PC board. I think I kind of like this. Let's mount a few components and see how it goes. components are on there good I don't feel like we'd have any problems with this so you might ask what is this circuit I'm not really sure <laughs> I just had a lot of extra parts around so I thought I would mount something so there you go another good way to do your prototyping or one-off builds this little rotary spot welder cutter is just the thing for a semi-Manhattan style. The whole time I was wondering, like, what the heck is he building with all that stuff? Because I couldn't figure out what it was going to be, but now I see it's a mm -hmm. parts catch-all. When I told you Manhattan style, you really didn't know. What... I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah. I, 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 now that you say that and I look at that, I think I remember Jimmy Burrell talking about this <laughs> yeah. at one time it's Are reverse we, jimmy style see you gotta time. be you gotta be prepared for those by the way okay. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's right up there emil <laughs> all right yeah the the tip here um i noticed someone in the chat room saying that it it looked pretty wobbly well um that actually is spring-loaded so it pushes down when you go to drill so the fact that it wobbled a little bit yeah. didn't matter it did put a little punch in the center of um yeah. well in the center of the pads there but 
uh, not not really an issue. And we know now who it was that told me about that, Tommy. I think your punch is not perfectly straight anyway. It looks like it's a little bit off. Yeah, uh, it may be. It's, it kind of wobbles so around. It's anyway. a Harbor Freight? It's Harbor Freight. Oh, that, that explains it. But it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. I yeah. mean, it's yeah, it didn't hurt anything. Yeah, because that's not what's what's doing the cutting. It's the uh, the kind of saw part around the outside yeah. there. So, uh, you know, I mentioned I couldn't remember who had told me about that. Well, we found him here in the chat room. It's Chip K Nine M I T. He's the one who told me about it. And that little tip there in the middle that will come out. Uh, you can on the bottom here. There's a, a screw you can unscrew, and there's a spring and all up in there. And oh, okay. Looks like a little ball bearing. It actually looks like a BB, and then the tip. You can pull it out. You don't have to have it. Yeah. I just. Well, it's nice to kind of guide it and get it yeah. get it in the neighborhood there. This is the first time I've ever done that, and I had never heard about this until, you know, Chip wrote me about it, and I like it. Yeah, it's pretty neat stuff. It looks like it makes it pretty easy. It it did. It made it uh, real easy to throw together a quick board where you've got uh, a few components and, you know, you're not really using any small stuff. Yeah, you don't have to worry about chemicals to, to etch the no. board or anything. So. It's fast. Yeah. yeah. Pretty neat stuff. Yeah. Nice tip. So, yeah, thanks for that tip. Nice chip. tip, Chip. Yeah. I'll be using that again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we've got a couple more emails to go here. Uh, Peter, I think the next one is yours here. What have you got there? Yeah, my final email here is from uh, Dennis, uh, KK0DJ, Kilo Kilo Zero Delta Juliet. Yep, from Pella, Pella, Iowa in the US, which I presume is somewhere in the middle. And he says, uh, hope you and your family are well. Just wanted to say thank you for the nice second show spot on working the TV satellites. Uh, seems like yet another thing for for me to stick my nose in and have some fun. Probably won't get started until after retirement, but that's planned for just a few years away now. Yeah, fascinating uh, hobby almost in its own right, and uh, there's plenty to see uh, and do up there. But what I really like is those uh, feeds from uh, journalists sending stuff back to their uh, uh, their TV channels and uh, the what goes on when they're off camera. Uh, it's quite the funny. raw feeds. Oh, yeah. yeah, I used to when I worked in television. I used to see that a lot back. Actually, well, our, our first uh, network feeds came in over microwave before we really had uh, much satellite stuff up there. And in between the network programs, they'd be sending down little promos and and just different things. They use that as a backhaul because there wasn't, uh, you know, a lot of ways to get video around. So there's a lot of stuff that came over the network that you didn't you didn't well, see on things the Things have changed, haven't they? They sure have. Anyway, thanks, Dennis, for the, uh, the email. Yeah. yeah. And I've got one final email here. This comes from Walt, K9WL, and he said, uh, George, for your information, Adafruit Industries has a $5 Pi Zero back in stock. He ordered his already. So I still haven't ordered my Pi Zero. That's where I got mine from. Yeah. Pi Zero was 5 bucks, and it was $7 to ship it. But that's Yeah, that's right. probably why I didn't order one now that I think about it. <laughs> I was waiting till I needed something else from. Yeah. Well, Tommy, where did you get that nice-looking shirt from there? Man, I got this from uh, the Amateur Logic Swag Shop. 
I think the URL is amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. You can get one there, too. I can. Yeah. Maybe I could get a polo shirt. You can get one like that, too, if you want to. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I was going to mention, too, um, you know, I've been working in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And I actually got an invite to come by the the Rockwall Rockwall Amateur Radio Club. So I'm going to be going by there this Tuesday and chatting with those guys for a while. So that should be fun. Yeah, I'm look, looking look forward, forward to, to hearing about yeah, it. Looking forward to going there. Yeah. You never know when you go to one of these things how many people are gonna gonna know you or well, not. They'll they'll know me when I before I leave, for sure. If there they you don't, go. but uh, I suspect there'll be some viewers in there. They wouldn't ask me to, to yeah. come over. Yeah, it's there, always so. fun when you can go in person. Mm-hmm. Or something. Yeah, like it should that. be fun. Yeah. Well, guys, I think we probably ought to wrap it up. We've. Um, We've been going tonight, and what? Not a single. Well, there was one mistake. The one, the one, <laughs> and we had witnesses to it this time. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a treat for you guys to see. Yeah. We actually made a mistake. When you hit record. <laughs> yeah. It, it was right after that. Yeah, it doesn't stop till we push stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've had a fun time tonight, Tommy. Any final words from you? Nope. Uh, I'll see you guys in Dallas if you're at the part of that club this Tuesday. Uh, looking forward to that, and we'll see you next month here for the next show. Cool. Peter? Uh, well, the only thing I want to add is just um, a tip for uh, uh, for Tommy when he's in Dallas next. Just uh, beware the grassy knoll. Yeah, I've been over there twice already. Really? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a neat museum yeah. over there. Email, what about you? Well, you know, um, I'm looking forward to going into the, uh, the another direction with uh, some of the networking equipment and seeing what's on the cheap side of that. There's lots of things. There's endless amounts of things, but I'll try to find some good ones. Uh, something else I want to say is I've seen, I saw on your um, Ham Nation, I'm sorry, not Ham Nation, the Ham College um, episode that you guys displayed that award. I just wanted to thank you all again for being a mentor because... Um, you know, with the subtle humor and everything you guys do, I've been following you for a long time. And uh, thanks again for everything you do. Subtle oh. humor. And uh, what, what was the word? Benevolent? I think benevolent, something like that. Yeah, I think it had a big <laughs> word in there like that. <laughs> well, appreciate you sending that. And uh, we just we just up here having a good time. You you part of the team too. So yeah. Anyway, appreciate appreciate you guys being here with us. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, we'll be back in uh, in two weeks to shoot the next Ham College. Yep. And then we'll be back in a month with another Amateur Logic. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. No. Hey, where can they find us on social media? That's a good point. And uh, we should probably tell them, because there's a lot going on at, at these places. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash Amateur Logic TV. <laughs> And the other one there. So it looks like program slash ALTV from yep, here. Yeah, that's not really what it is. Yeah. That's a, uh, a link to the Google Plus yeah. uh, community there. Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks, everybody, for, for joining us. 73, everybody. 
Remember we were talking about, however, if if there is a mistake that, uh, you know, the, you, the if, folks watching the recording would never know. Yeah, if you're watching now, you caught a rare moment. Yeah, never happened again, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's take another stab at that, Emil. Can you hear me? Oh, we can hear you now. <laughs> okay. okay. I, ripped, I ripped the connectors out of my laptop when I turned around. Oh, no. <laughs> Gee, we all know how painful that is. <laughs>